Um, we are beginning a series today about legacy, and it is all about going to a whole nother level. You see that right there, hashtag HNL. We don't know how to spell here at the bridge, but we do want to go to a whole nother level. And uh, we hope that you'll do so as well. You can pick those up at the bookstore on your way out. We hope that you will take advantage of that. If you want to, ha if you want to tweet uh, any of the quotes from the sermon today, you can do so by using the hashtag LegacyHNL. So, Pastor Farrell has left us a tremendous legacy. And we are very, very thankful for that. And how many of you know that no matter what you do in this life, you're leaving a legacy of some kind? Uh, I looked at some epitaphs on some tombstones, and there was one that said, Tom, he wanted to see if the elevator was coming down the shaft. It was. It was coming down while he was looking. There was a man that left a legacy. He said, he told uh, men, he said, if you want to be happy the rest of your life, I want you to follow these simple rules. He said, it's important to have a woman who helps at home, cooks from time to time, cleans up and has a job. It's important to have a woman who can make you laugh. Would you agree? Maybe not. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> it's important to have a woman you can trust and doesn't lie, right? It's important to have a woman who likes to be with you. That's a big deal. That's a good thing, right? And then he ended with this. He said, this is very, very important. It's important that these four women don't know each other, okay? <laughs> Or you could end up whooped and beaten badly just like me. Now that guy didn't leave a real good legacy, right? But uh, we all leave a legacy. And we're thankful for Pastor Farrell's Joe and Hester Waters. Otis and Minnie Williford, Ralph and Jean Gurley, Ralph and Minnie Dawson, Clarence and Beulah Eason, Lehman Gurley, Rachel Holland, Bernice and Louise Langley, and I could mention many other names. And you would not raise your hand and say, I'm familiar with any of them. But every one of them is why you're sitting in the seat that you are today. Farrell and Millie Hardison, Brandon and Mitch Hardison. You see, true leaders don't invest in buildings, programs, or projects. They invest in people. And we're poised to have an opportunity to continue that legacy. We have a great opportunity to invest in someone else's life. And it's why I'm so excited about this sermon series. My wife is sitting back there in the back. Her name is Kirsten. I'm a better man because I'm married to her. I pray she's a better woman because she's married to me. She puts up with a lot. She's learned a lot of patience being married to me. But I'm a better man because of her. And so I'm excited about what we're going to be able to share, about the legacy that has been left here. For 99 years, this church has been in existence. For the last 27 years, Farrell Hardison has poured his heart and life into this church. And we have a chance. I said it to the Princeton campus last week. If we blow this, it's our own fault. Do we have a beautiful facility here? We have, I mean, it's cool. Have you been outside? 
Woo! It's hot. And it's only getting hotter. And it makes me want heaven, right? Um, Y'all seen that billboard before, right? If it's hotter than this, I don't know. I don't want to go to hell. But, um, amen? But we have an opportunity to continue this legacy. If you're interested in the outline, you can uh, use the Bible app. Go to the events page, Bridge Campus, hashtag Legacy HNL. You can grab all the notes. Everything that I'm teaching from right now, you can find it there. But see, we have a legacy. And a legacy is an inheritance. We've received an inheritance. I want you to get this. One generation's inheritance is the previous generation's sacrifice. My inheritance, what I receive, is because somebody else sacrificed. Any generation that is unwilling to sacrifice reduces the inheritance of the next. Now, how many of you that have children or aspire to have children one day, would look at your kids and say, I hope you have less than I do one day. Do we do that? Do we say that? That's what we do when we squander the inheritance that God has given us. If our heart, if our desire is that our kids have more than we do one day, better than we ever had, have it easier than we ever had, we have to sacrifice today. Now here's what I know about the bridge. We are not going to fight over our inheritance. We're not going to just consume it and squander it, but we're going to invest it for our kids and for our grandkids. You ever been around anybody that lost a loved one and they got to fighting and squabbling over the stuff? That's a bad thing, ain't it? You ever seen that? I've seen it. I see a lot of death and, and things like that. I don't necessarily see it here at the bridge, but I've seen it, and you've probably been there. You may have family members you don't talk to anymore because y'all got to fighting over stuff. And you said, look, I don't want the stuff. And they said, I want the stuff. And then, and it just got in, became this thing. And it's ugly and it's nasty because all they cared about was the inheritance. I had a relative one time. My aunt had passed away. And we were at her house after the funeral. And he was walking around with my aunt's children asking what he could have out of the house. Seriously? Come on now. We're better than that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to squander the inheritance that has been given to us, but we are going to invest in this inheritance, and we're going to take it to the next level. We're going to celebrate the inheritance God's given us over the next five weeks. We're going to learn how we can benefit from it, and then we're going to take it farther. But before we do that, there's something very important we have to do. To receive an inheritance, you've got to be part of the family, right? You get an inheritance because you're a part of the family. We've got to see ourselves as sons. See, Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. 
So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. Now I want us to park here for just a second. I want us to look at that verse of scripture. Because you are his sons, that lowercase son there, it, it means you and I. Now, how many women do we have in the audience? Would you raise your hand? <laughs> okay, I got you. Thank you all for raising your hands, and thank you guys for not. So, um, I know that it doesn't say in this passage sons and daughters. But listen, if I can be called the bride of Christ, you can be called sons in this passage of Scripture. Amen? Amen. All right? I'm okay with that. I'm secure enough in my masculinity to be called the bride of Christ. And that's what the Bible says I am. Okay? But we are the sons, and God has sent His the Spirit of his son into our hearts so when we receive Jesus into our life and we ask have you ever heard anybody say I want to invite Jesus into my heart see that's what that means how does Jesus live in our heart is there a little person running around in your heart is that how it works Jesus lives in your heart through the person of the Holy Spirit it's right there that's how he does that and then the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. That Spirit of God, when we receive Jesus into our heart, and Jesus lives and dwells in our heart, then we cry out, Abba, Father. What's another word for Abba? Does anybody know? Daddy. We call out daddy. And I don't want you to raise your hands, but maybe when you think of daddy, good memories don't come up. Maybe you didn't have such a good dad. But I'm telling you, when you receive Christ, that there's a daddy that the Spirit of God cries out for in your heart and you desire to have a relationship with him. And he desires for a relationship with you. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Since you are his child, God has made you his what? Let's go to that passage, that verse. He has made you his heir. I think it's the next one. So God has made us his heir. The lowercase talks about us. Uppercase, we see a, a, a vision of the Trinity. Right there, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God has given us His Son. And because He dwells in our heart, it cries out, Abba, Father, will you enter into that relationship with Him? See, Romans 8.15 says, The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. See, when we enter into a relationship with Christ, we're no longer slaves. Slaves to what? What are we a slave to? Somebody just said it. Sin, right? We're a slave to sin. Now, when we get saved, does that all go away? Do I not want to ever do anything bad again? When somebody cuts me off on the highway, do I never want to tell them they're number one again? Huh? I don't. But that don't mean I don't think, hmm, 
Ah, if you're not, if you're not, what is they say? If you're not rubbing, you're not racing. Sometimes I just want to rub them up against the guardrail. But I don't do it because Jesus would not be happy with that. <laughs> but we're no longer slaves to that, right? We're sons of God. And he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So everything I do, I pause. And I say, okay, God, I know you're looking, but who else is seeing? That person that's offended me is seeing, and I want to make sure that I respond in a way that's going to honor you, God. See, God wants to be our daddy. He wants to have a relationship with dad. You know what happens with mom and dad? If you're, if you're blessed and still have your parents here with you, you know, mom and dad, we, we, we do things, they, you know, and our relationship changes as it evolves. But one of the things that happens as our relationship evolves with our parents is we hang out with them, right? Where do you go at Thanksgiving and Christmas? Mom and dads. Christmas and Thanksgiving's not the same if we're not at our parents. Because we want that relationship, and God wants that relationship with you. See, we got to stop seeing God as this cosmic killjoy, this policeman in the sky, unpleasant parent who's just ready to strike you where you stand. All he wants to do is tell you what you can't do. Maybe you grew up that way. Maybe you grew up being taught that's who God was. God, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not do that. And as a Christian, we thought, well, if I accept him and I receive him and I'm living for him, then that's what i got to do. And that's not who God is. He wants to be a daddy, a loving father who wants a relationship with you. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are no longer a slave. You are a son and daughter of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If anyone belongs to Christ, they are a new creation. All things are gone and everything is made new. See, if we would get that, if we realize that we're not just workers in the kingdom of God, we're not just here to do work. We're not just here to do stuff. And everybody that's got an Ask Me shirt on and all the different service shirts that are sitting here in this building, our ERT that's back there, thank God for you guys. I appreciate you so much. But it's not just about work. It's not just about what we can do, but we are, we are heirs. We're joint heirs with Jesus. If we got that, what do you think would happen in Wayne County? How do you think this world would be changed if we truly got that we have inherited something from God? But there's an expectation of sacrifice from me. I've often asked this question. If the bridge Goldsboro was not here tomorrow, would this community even notice If we weren't here tomorrow, would the world even notice? 
When I came into a relationship with Jesus and when I answered the call in the ministry, one of the things, the thing that has always been paramount to me, it's never been about money. If you're going into ministry for money, do something else. Trust me, okay? You don't want to do that. But I always wanted my life to make this world a little better. I wanted this world to be a better place because I was in it. And I've always asked God, help me do that. Help me live my life in such a way that this world will be a little bit better because I was here. I just, I passed through and it was real quick. But God, help me make a difference with my family. Help me make a difference with my children. Help me make a difference with my church family and my community. And I pray that's our heart. I want to say this. If the bridge is it for you, and I see many faces I've seen many, many, many times. If the bridge is it for you, if this is your church, then get in. Get in the game. Let's start doing some stuff. Let's do greater things than we've ever done for Jesus before. Why do we spectate? Why do we, why do we watch? Well, sometimes we spectate and watch because we just aren't sure exactly, man, what is this place all about? Mm, I need to kind of evaluate things. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. Now, after 20 years, you ought to know. Okay, Just saying. If you evaluate for a long, 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 long time, hmm, you probably need to be somewhere else. If the bridge is not it, you know what we'll do? We'll help you find it. Because this is about the kingdom of God. Big K. It is about expanding His kingdom. How many of you would agree that Jesus is coming again? And that we live in a world that needs to hear that message more now than ever before. He is coming back. What are we in the business of? Telling people that. We're in the business of making that proclamation. And so I want you to be where you can do that. Because one day you're going to stand before Jesus. And I want you to hear, well done. Good and faithful servant. You were faithful with that which I entrusted to you. That's what we want. See, the sad reality is that in a lot of churches, what we do is we, we sit and we soak. And how many of you know what happens if you sit and soak too long? You ever had a sponge that filled up with water and you just left it there? What happens? It sours. You got them little things that you wash your dishes with that's got the soap in the handle, and they are great. Until a certain amount of time goes by and you start washing and you're like, something smells like B.O. And it's the sponge I'm washing my dishes with, you know. If you sit and soak, you're going to sour. We were never intended to be conduit. But see, people attend church. They might even serve and invite others, but they've never adopted the spirit of sonship. They've never taken ownership in the family business. You're a part of the family business if you are a believer in Jesus. And what is that business? Telling others, right? 
Leading others to Jesus. Living it before them. So today I want us to do a personal evaluation. I want us to compare and contrast the attitude of a son and the attitude of a slave. If I'm a son, I want to ask you this question. As a son, are you consuming your inheritance or are you investing the legacy for generations to come? Are you making a sacrifice? Because sacrifice comes with every generation. Let me tell you something. We got a generation of men and women in our military that are making a sacrifice right now. And the history books are going to record one day all of the incredible things that you did. And I want to thank you now for the sacrifice that you're making for our great nation. Can those of us who are reaping the benefit of that sacrifice say thank you to our men and women in the military? Thank you guys so much. But we got to be willing to sacrifice. We got to willing, be willing to say, I'm going to do whatever I can to make a difference for the generations to come. So I want us to look at four tests of sonship that we find in the Bible. Here's the first one Sons are owners in the family business, slaves are hired hands. All right? Sons are owners, slaves are hired hands. One of the clearest indicators of whether a person is a son or a slave is how they serve the family business. I didn't say whether they serve because if you are a, a non-serving Christian, you're not a believer. Okay? Every believer serves in some way, shape, or form. There's no such thing as a non-serving Christian. But there are different ways that every Christian serves. We have the Bridge to Hope here at, at the Bridge campuses. How many of you know what the Bridge to Hope is? How many of you have heard of it before? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say that? It's a mobile medical unit that we have that goes out into the community and provides medical care. Now, there may be a, a medical professional who's come to church and said, I have no idea how I could invest in the life of a local church because I don't have any skill set that fits that. But, man, I can bandage a wound. I can take a pulse. I can look at somebody and say, hey, you need to get further medical assistance at the hospital. I can do that. Those are things I can do. Bridge to Hope is the place you can serve. Our emergency response team. If you have medical training, you can be a part of emergency response. If you have training in law enforcement. Matter of fact, if you're active law enforcement, that's even more better. And you can be a part of the ERT security side. Because your children's safety is very, very important to us. And you can be a part and you can buy into that. Larry Stocktoll is a pastor here in, in the U.S. And he said, hired hands work for sundown and a paycheck. Now, this wasn't, maybe this isn't the most pastoral thing that I can say from the pulpit. But a man told me one day, he's got guys that work on his uh, with his team, uh, he owns a company. He said, my men, pastor, he said, I can't find good help because they work for 3.30 and Budweiser. That's what they work for. They work to get off. They're supposed to be in at 7 o'clock. They come in 7.30, 7.45. They leave at 3. I'm not saying that you do that. But the mentality is the same. 
We're working for a paycheck. We're just doing it because that's what we're supposed to do, and, and that's it. See, hired hands say, what's the least effort I can put in for the most gain? And a son simply says, what needs to be done? What needs to be done? I'm going to do what needs to be done. Why are we teaching this sermon series? Why are we going through this right now? Because we have just gone through a mammoth change as a church. You guys have experienced it double time. Because you've had the change with Pastor Jeremy in December. Love Pastor Jeremy. Went and helped Pastor Jeremy move the other day. There was somebody from the church that, that he's serving at now. They found out who it was and they said... I don't know that anybody from my church would come and do that. <laughs> Help the guy who's, you know, going to another work. But we love Pastor Jeremy. Pastor Jeremy is part of the legacy here, right? But you've had to endure that change. You've had to endure the change of Pastor Farrell and his transition. Listen, I'm right there with you. I've been on this journey with, with Farrell Hardison for 22 years. It's a big change. But how many of you have lived in, in this world for any amount of time and have been able to keep everything in your life completely static the entire time you've been here on this planet? Nothing's changed. Everything's the same. How many of you could look back 35 years, even though maybe you fought the change at the time, you look back 35 years ago, you see pictures of your den and the television that used to be in it? the rotary phone that used to be on the wall, and all the other stuff in your house, and you say, thank God for the change. I can pick up my TV and move it by myself. You remember the, the original flat screen television? It took like 12 men to deadlift the thing out of the truck into your house. It was ridiculous. I had a Sony flat screen. Man, this thing is awesome. But it weighs as much as 12 guys. It's crazy. We're glad... That change happens after the change happens. But while we're in the middle of the change, you're not being honest if you sit here today and say, it's not hard for me. Change is hard. It's tough. It stretches us. But we have an opportunity in the change. We are poised for some great things as a church. So what are we going to do with the inheritance we've been given? What are we going to do? Are we going to take on the attitude of a son and say, I am working for the family business. I am a part of what needs to be done, and I'm going to do everything I can to see that it is successful. Someone once said, it's the least that I can do. And never let it be said that I'm not willing to do the least I can do. Now that was intended to be a joke, but <laughs> um, that's a terrible approach to service, isn't it? I'm going to do the least I can. I'm going to do the bare minimum that I can do to get by, and that'll be enough, and maybe you know, nobody will pay too much attention. See, Jesus puts it in the terms of caring for a flock. In John chapter 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, what does he do? He abandons the sheep, right? And runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. See the difference between the slave or the hired hand and the shepherd who owns the sheep. Man, that guy, he's going to be there. He's going to get in the middle. And he's going to stop that from happening because that's his livelihood. See, here at the bridge, it takes hundreds of people serving every single weekend to pull off the services we do on three campuses. And I don't know a single person who's ever articulated it to me that has said, you mean i got to do what? Uh, they're going to make me do what? I'm going to have to put a green Mickey hand on like Cassie had today. How, let's hear it for Cassie being out in the, in the parking lot today, waving at everybody, getting them in. I'm going to have to do that? We'll see if that is your mentality. If you say, well, I ain't doing that. Y'all might do that, but I'm not going to do that. Well, see, that's a slave mentality. I challenge you to leave that mentality at the altar today. So sons serve as owners. Slaves serve as hired hands. Secondly, sons think in family terms. Slaves think in individual terms. In Psalm 127, beginning in verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Unless the Lord builds the house. And I'm going to tell you what I know. After two decades of ministry here, I've seen the Lord build this house. And I know the labor has not been in vain. People have come and people have gone and God has called them to various places. But I know that the work He has called me to has not been for naught. See, we often read this passage during times of baby dedication. But it applies to the family of God as well. Pastor Farrell, Millie, all those names I read prior to them, they didn't labor in vain. They labored for this day, for this moment, for this time, for you to make that decision. Am I going to be the next Minnie Williford? Well, you probably couldn't be. <laughs> Miss Minnie's been coming to church here since she was four. She's almost 90. But she's left a tremendous mark. But I can be the next Andy Stovall. I can be the next Chad, the next Brittany, Tammy, Ron. Just insert your name there. Because I want to tell you something. The seat you sit in today, nobody else can occupy. It's yours. I can't make the impact you can make. But you got to start seeing this thing in terms of family and not individually. See, when we think individually, we walk into a service like we did today, and when we're thinking as an individual, we say, okay, what are they going to do for me? How are they going to bless me? 
What are they going to do to make me feel good today? Because, all right now, preacher, you better, you got your work cut out for you today. Because I'm ticked. <laughs> you know? I've had people say that to me before. You know, I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, ERT guy, <laughs> watch that one. Um, <laughs> but when we think in terms of family, we walk into a room like this and we say, who in here is hurting? See, we miss that when we got that individual mentality. We miss that when we got, how you going to bless me, preacher, mentality. But when we got that head on swivel mentality and we're looking around the room and saying, who needs a hug in here today? Who is that face I've never seen before that I just want to walk up to and let them know, hey, I don't know you, but I just want you to know I'm glad you're here. And I noticed that you were here today. You know the most lonely feeling in the world is walking into a space this big and feeling like nobody saw you. That's a horrible feeling. And loneliness is one of the most powerful emotions on the planet. Have you ever watched a friend make the dumbest decisions of their life because they were driven by loneliness? I have. I have seen that. I'm going to marry her or I'm going to marry him. No, no you're not. You are lonely. Get over that. And then when we know you're over that and you want to do it, we'll be good. But don't do it because you're lonely. Because you will make some dumb decisions in that moment. How are you thinking, though? How do you view yourself? Are you, a, are you a son? Do you think in terms of family? I want to challenge you to do something before you leave today. I want to challenge you to find somebody you've never spoken to at this church. And I want you to speak to them. I want you to introduce yourself to them. Say, I don't know who you are. And, and you know, it, it's even okay when you leave and walk out into the foyer today to say, you know, the pastor told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. And say, I don't know you, but I just want you to know I'm glad you're here. You have no idea who walked through the doors of this building today who said, I'm going to give God one last shot. Maybe they walked through the doors of this church today and they said, I'm going to give life one more chance. And then I'm done. And you would never even know it, but that one encounter could counteract the lie that the enemy is telling them. That they are not loved, that they are not cared for. It's something that nobody cares about you. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. Nobody cares about you. And I'm here to say this morning... That is absolutely the furthest thing from the truth. And if you don't believe me, you come on up here after this service is over. And I will tell you how loved you are. And I will encourage you. It is never, ever, ever that dark and grim. That with God's help and the help of your family, and that's what we are, you can't come back from anything. Amen. 
That is in none of my notes and those guys back there going, what is he preaching from right now? But I'm telling you, that was for somebody today. You receive that. Because that is a message you need to hear and you need to heed. See, Pastor Farrell's legacy is me. And Jerry Grantham. And Gage Havery. Joey Lancaster. Curry Morris. Andrew Price. Adam Thornton. Cassie Sanders. So many of you. I see Chip back there. So many of you are a part of that legacy. So what are we doing? What are we doing to make that? See yourself as part of a family. Don't come and don't come to church, guys, because you feel like it's, it's obligation or duty. I got to do this. This is something I got to do because I got to get a, uh, I got to get more good stuff than to get bad marks. So that when it's all said and done, the good outweighs the bad. How many of you know it don't work that way? Right? Doesn't work that way. I'm doing a funeral for a man today at 4 o'clock named Dale McKinney. Dale's my friend. And I'm going to miss him. His wife serving in the coffee shop this morning in Princeton. And I asked her, I said, Dee, if, if Dale could tell us anything, if he could share anything with the people that are going to be at the funeral today, what would, he t- what would he say? And she said, he would tell them not to leave this world without Jesus. Dale was, my understanding, pretty rough neck fella back in the day. But God got a hold of his heart. God got a hold of his life. I can still hear his belly laugh when he talks about his family and the things God's done for him. But that's all he cared about. And can I tell you something? That's all that matters at the end of your life. Dale McKinney at the age of 64 found out he had lung cancer. His cancer went into remission. We were thinking everything was going to be okay. He, he, matter of fact, I don't know if you guys remember when we did the escape room earlier this year. He was there. And he escaped from the room. <laughs> but he took a turn and went down. And when he did, he went down really, really, really fast. And I'm sad because I'm going to miss my friend.
but I'm happy because I, get, I got to be a part of the family that loved him and introduced him to Jesus. I got to be there when him and his wife were baptized. And uh, when we got the baptismal pool ready, it was really, it was warm. I don't know if you guys have, some of you have been in it, I'm sure. We have an element that we put in the baptismal pool. And the baptismal pool can get up to about 90 degrees. And they don't even like it hot. And he stuck, he stuck his foot in the baptismal pool. And he said, oh, oh that's, he let his wife go first. <laughs> But I got to be there for that. And I got to see that. And I got to be a part of that. And I want to be a part of that in your life. And I want you to get to have that same experience with somebody else. That can look back one day and they can say thank you for what you invested in me. But you will never do that if you think in terms of an individual Coming to consume. And you don't view what we're doing here as a family. Son, serve the family vision. Number three. Slaves, use family for their vision. It's a stepping stone. Proverbs 28, 19 in the King James, it says, Where there is no vision, the people will perish. And that is so true. Because the opposite of vision is adding a little prefix, D-I. And what does that spell? Division. Jesus said, A house divided can't stand against itself. But He also said, Where two or three agree, it is done because I am in the midst of them. See, in the message, Proverbs 29, 18, it says if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. And God has revealed to us that we are to be a church that gives life by doing what? Giving life by giving Christ. We want to be a place where people can belong, commit, grow, and serve in their walk with God. That's what we want to do here at the bridge. So instead of adding the prefix DI, why don't we add the prefix PRO? Provision. We want God's provision in our life. So as sons, we constantly ask the classic question what business are we in and how is business? What business are we in and how's the business going? There was a man who was in the drill bit business. He was the CEO. Business started falling off. He didn't understand why. He went to his team. He said, guys, what are we in the business of doing? They said, we make drill bits. He said, no, we provide holes for people that need holes for stuff. We got people walking around in this world with a hole. And only God can fill. We're in the business of pointing them to the one who can fill that empty place. And give them a life. And a life 
more abundantly. And then lastly, sons maintain their relationship with dad. Slaves hold dad at arm's length. Galatians 4 and 6, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Nothing makes you happier as a daddy than for your children to come run to your arms. Nothing makes you happier as a father than when those little ones see you and they come running with the big smile on their face and they're so excited and they're so happy and they can't hardly contain themselves. It's the greatest joy of our life. And nothing makes our Heavenly Father happier than when we stop doing this with God and we let Him in. And we say, God, I want all of you in my life. See, the bottom line is God wants a personal, intimate relationship with you. He is not near as interested in how many rules and regulations and rituals you do. He's interested in you. Because what happens if He gets you? All that other stuff will follow, right? Because here's what we do. We sit in our seat today and we say, Well, God, I'm not good enough. There's just stuff in my life that i got to get fixed. And that's counterintuitive. You're always going to be a mess. Because <laughs> this world is messy. Right? Well, we're always going to live around mess. We don't always have to be a mess. But God wants you to become a son, a daughter. He doesn't want you to be afraid to get close to Him. Now here's the truth. And this is something that the world does not say to you. The world would like you to believe that we're all created by God and we're all children of God. We're all God's children. And that's not true. We're all created by Him. But to be a child of God, you've got to enter into that relationship with Him. I want to challenge you to a couple of things today. First thing I want to challenge you to, and thank you media guys for not getting mad at me, but I skipped right over it. I want to challenge you that if you're a part of the bridge, if this is a place that you call home, I want you to text OWNER to 72345. Text OWNER to 72345. We have something, a class called Ownership, that will be taking place on July the 30th, right after church here, that Sunday. And if you mean business about going all in and saying, I want to do more, I want to be a part of what's going on here at the bridge in Goldsboro, text that right now. It will sign you up for that class, and then we'll, um, we'll meet together and talk about that on July the 30th and get you rolling in that process. But then if you're here today, and you hear... The words that I've spoken about sonship and God being your father and he wanting, Him wanting to have a relationship with you. And you can, you can sit here today and say, I've never done that. Today is your day. Today is your opportunity to invite Him in. And I want us to first bow our heads and pray. And I want you in your own words from your heart to say, God... I've been living as a slave far too long. Today I ask you to come into my life. I invite you in. 
I need you, Lord. I want to be adopted by you. I want to be a son of God, a joint heir with, with Jesus, a co-heir in the inheritance, God, that you have for me. So, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And I ask that, Lord, you just receive me. And as I saw in that passage of Scripture in Galatians 4, Lord, I don't understand all of that. And trust me, I don't understand all of that either. But, God, we, we believe it because your word says that. You dwell in our heart in the person of Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. So we invite you in to that empty place, to that broken place, to that hurting place. We ask you to come in, Lord, because we need a relationship with you. We desire, we want a relationship with you. Something better than we've ever had before. If that's you this morning, and you've either invited him in for the very first time, or this morning you know, I've run too long, I've gotten away from God, and God, today I want to come back to you. And would you just say yes to him right there where you are? Say yes, say I will follow you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you. I don't understand what what it all means. But God, I want to do that. I want the kind of relationship the preacher described today. I want that in my life. If you prayed that prayer, if you made that decision today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just indicate, I made that decision. I said yes to God. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to live for Him. I see that If you made that decision, I want you also to do something. And I'll invite you to do it in just a moment. But before I invite you to do it, I want to I celebrate what God has done in this place today. Would you, with every eye open now, and you can look up at me, can we celebrate life change in this house this morning, what God has done? If that was you and you made that decision, I want you to hashtag or text hashtag new life to 72345 because we want to know about the decision you made. If you didn't raise your hand, but you're like, you know what, I was just intimidated to do that, but I would like somebody to know and I would like someone to pray for me and reach out to me, send that text, would you? I'm so glad you came to church today. Uh, it's an honor to stand in this place and to share the good news of Jesus with you. Thank you for letting me. I appreciate it. I love being with the Bridge Goldsboro. You're always so hospitable. You're always so loving. And I appreciate the time that you have afforded me today.